Welcome to the heartland of America, as the World Wrestling Federation presents the first ever King of the Ring extravaganza. Tonight, eight of the toughest superstars of the WWF will bang heads in a grueling single elimination tournament to determine once and for all who is the King of the Ring. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Talking Tourneys number 16. I am one of your Sam Dimashio, and with me, per usual, Dan Rice. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing fast. Fantastic, Sam. How about you? You're going to say you're doing fast. Yeah, I did start to say that. And uh, it's cool because it's the opposite of how this show feels. I was about to say, this is not the fastest tournament we've ever <laughs> reviewed. Nope. To be fair, I'm going to say right now, I watched it in basically one sitting. Did you watch the whole show? Well, let's talk about what we're going to yeah. watch. Just yeah, so yeah, let's skip on ahead. Clued in. It's going to be WWE's Seven Deadly Sins Championship Tournament. Dan, as you were saying, did you watch the whole show? When I, we... I did watch the whole show. I believe it was like three hours and 20 minutes or something like that. I don't did know you, why you did that. Did I did you watch not, the whole show. Did not do that. All right. I think you missed both the best and the worst match on the show by skipping non tournament matches. I, in my defense, I did watch one non tournament match that I could have sworn was a tournament match. Ooh, I can't wait to get into that. And then I was like, oh no. Well, it they it make was it not. seem at the beginning like every match is a tournament match. They kind of give you that impression. Yeah, this whole show is just a tournament show. But they're like, we're just kidding. There's three total matches, to my knowledge, that are not. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I nailed it. I nailed it. All right. Let's 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 get this started here with a little kind of breakdown of what we're walking into here. I would love to know when you, like, why you get into this. Also get into why you picked this. Okay. Okay. So I did pick this tournament. It feels like a Dan tournament, I'll admit it, but I did not pick this. I'm struggling to figure out why I picked this tournament. It should be noted, Seven Deadly Sins. I have chosen this before we recorded, before we even knew we were going to do a Deadly Game. I would not have probably picked this tournament (laughs) if I knew we were going to do that one. I... I don't really, they're not very super comparable tournaments other than, (laughs) hey, they are a product of a time. Well, this show, WWA wanted to get Russo and they couldn't. So they got, I, you can't call it the next best thing. (laughs) It's a a next thing. Jeremy Borash. Jeremy Borash. Talking to Russo. It basically seems like Russo didn't want to fly to Australia. Okay, that adds up. That checks out. Yeah. That's the major feeling. WWA, this tournament takes place in October 2001. This is one of those post-WCW professional wrestling companies that felt like, okay, I'm, we're going to take the void of WCW and we're going to make something with it. Whereas, like, you have an ROH that's so like, okay, 
we're going to be the workway place that kind of occupies this zone of what we feel is missing from wrestling and has fallen out by missing out on two major promotions in WCW and ECW. In WWA, it's okay. I don't know. What if we take some C-tier wrestlers from, you know what, B-tier in some cases. I'll be generous. From late area, late era, WCW, WWF, and turn that into something. And this is what that product is in Australia. I don't know why I picked it, Dan. I, honest to goodness, I just kind of saw it. I was like, oh, <laughs> interesting. Double J's in here. So you have no history with the WWE. You don't, I have you zero want... history. Okay. This All is right. this was a pay-per-view in the United States after the fact, months later, I believe. I did not buy that pay-per-view. I had no idea this term even took place. Now, I didn't buy that pay-per-view. But you I'm did. Not, I'm, I'm not a fool. I wait until I know this product is great. And yeah. I buy a subsequent pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I, I, I say I. I mean, I asked my mother if she would purchase this pay-per-view and probably do, you know, four chores. And she goes, okay. But I believe the one, I, I could be wrong, but I believe the one that I watched was the either the next one or the one after that because it had... Scott Steiner, I think, was supposed to have Savage, but didn't. And I'm like, get all the start because I was not, I wasn't watching WWE, but I was following the results, and I was big into EWR and promotion wars, like wrestling sims, and so like it was fun to take the WWA or or XWF, you know, one of these WCW's gone replacements, and like try to win the wrestling war. Yeah. And so I wanted to like it. I remember even back then, this didn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. I I think this is kind of before my time as far as a pay-per-view buyer went. When I was a wrestling pay-per-view buyer, that's when, like, GFL.TV with ROH and things like that. Mm, okay. Right. Or is it m- much more likely, frankly, in my teens to be buying MMA pay-per-views? Not UFC. Because I was counterculture when it came to MMA for some reason. And I can remember buying Yamma Pit Fighting with Travis Wyeth. Uh, Real heads now. Real heads now. So WWE, not kind of my forte as far as like, hey, my wrestling goes. But let's break down sort of the lineup here since that's what drew me in. I was like, oh, interesting. Maybe this is something... That might just work. We've got Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera, Conan, Road Dog Jesse James, Devin Storm. No, yep, Je- Devin Storm, Norman Smiley, Nathan Jones, Jeff Jarrett, Buff Bagwell, Jerry Lawler, Disco Inferno, Jeremy Borash, Stevie Ray, Mark Johnson, Graham Young. Banana and Pajama 1, Banana and Pajama 2, Security Guard, and a Timekeeper. All the stars are here, Dan. Give me, a, give me a breakdown of that lineup. I mean, you know from the beginning of the show, I love Security Guard, and I love Timekeeper. And they're some of my all times. No, uh, I mean, it's ridiculous, but it is like what you imagine you know, a Russo-led WCW knockoff would be. You have your Jarrett and your Bagwell and your Disco. Um, But outside of the joke entrance, I don't think it's the worst group of wrestlers you could put together. No. When I saw, like, Devin Storm, Norman Smiley, Jeff Jarrett, just uh, (laughs) a fresh Nathan Jones, even, like, a Juventud Guerrero and Psychosis, I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's some fun stuff here that we just don't talk about because it's WWA. We will continue on that train of thought as we move forward here. But Dan, before we get into the tournament proper, I want to start off with Bret Hart's promo. 
to start this show. <laughs> and I think it's important because he's he's a fixture in this tournament as well as he sets the, sh- the tone for the whole thing. Not just the debut pay-per-view, but also just the the dressing for the tournament proper. Okay. And, and maybe, per- maybe you can help me out with some stuff I have okay. with this with this, sure, sure. this promo. Mm-hmm. Did he say did he bring up 9-11, which is very fresh? And did he pivot from that to being talking about how terrible it was for him to be stuck in Australia, the place he currently is? Cor- yes, more or less. The baby or face or the baby face commissioner of this whole company in the opening pay-per-view. You nailed it. Okay, okay, I'm just checking. And then this people might watching this or listening to this might not know. Brett apparently never has been beaten in wrestling. Correct. And is the lineal WCW and WWF champion and considers the winner of this tournament to be the real world champion of wrestling. Does that sound like what he was trying to say? Brett has a star. You know, Brett gets it. Anyone that says they're a Bret Hart with guy, such emotion. I have trouble rectifying who he actually is with a wrestler they tell me he is. What a weird guy. What a weird dude we got Bret Hart. He can't wrestle, but he's like, you know what? No one ever beat me. No one can beat you, Bret. You're not stepping in there. The crowd boos 9-11 like he calls out Jeff Jarrett. Like the heel of the week. I have no idea. This is, again, October 2001. We're, we're six weeks after at this point. We're six right? weeks after. And they're booing like he just called out the heel of the week. Tremendous. It's really... It's important to like listen and be like, oh, he also mentions WCW and it gets the same exact re- reaction. And I was like, oh, what are we doing here? What is happening? A Canadian talk about the Twin Towers going down. Complaining about being on Australia. And talking himself up for a tournament. He's very much not competing in. He no plans for him ever to compete in it or to ever wrestle for this company. He's a commissioner. Yeah. Weird setup. Weird setup, Dan. And it's not a quick promo. No, it goes on for a while. Yeah. But that sets us up for a great night of action. Danny, ready to get into the first match? Let's do it. And every match is a stipulation match. First matchup, Psychosis versus Juventud Guerrera, which is a doubles as a ladder match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. I think that's lazy, Dan. Extremely. Now, speaking of laziness and well-planned promotions, do you know that they had champions days before this? I learned that today. Yeah. Hooventude was the champion and then they stripped him of the title, put him in this tournament with the first round match. He could win his own belt back. Road Dog was also world champion coming into this. They pretend that didn't happen. And then Devin Storm was the hardcore champion that they never even bring back the hardcore title. But I guess days before the show, they're like, what if there were no champions? What if we started the which is very Vince Russo, so that makes sense. But yeah, it's just like, hey, if you win this match, you're also the WWA International Cruiserweight, whatever they call it. Um, but hey, that title didn't really matter because cruiserweights don't matter. The good thing is you're still in the tournament. Would you consider that a soft reboot or just a full-on reboot? I mean, none, I think the only people that saw the stuff before this were Australian fans. So I think it's just, I guess, it just a full matter. reboot. Fuck yeah, just like, but like, I don't know. I mean, Australia's huge, huge, and I don't know where those shows took place. So like, would they be at these shows? I don't know. And I will say this is looks this is a big show. This is a stadium. Oh, it's a big deal, yeah. Lots of people there. Like if if the production makes it feel like, oh, this is a big thing. Um, what's his, Andrew McManus is the owner and he's like a big concert guy, I guess. 
So I mean, it, it's it looks it looks like it looks like two thousand WCW. It's a proper proper production here. I think this match is totally fine. I don't think I have a lot to say about it, Dan. Other than hey, this feels like a WWF light heavyweight championship match from nineteen ninety nine. I'm going to guess that these guys wrestled a hundred more times outside of this. Oh, absolutely. And this has to be bottom ten percent, which is I mean they're they're good wrestlers. It was fine. Um, well, it, I but, feel like it's safe to say these two have not had many good matches against one another. See, I don't know if that's fair. I I beg to differ. I bet, especially for the time, they were having good matches. If you go back to their history, or at least fun matches that were more fun than this. This was just kind of it was it was just just fine. Um, my two highlights were. At one point, Hoovy takes a long time to set up the ladder, and then he just shoves it right in Psychosis's face, which is cool. Absolutely, yeah. And then he is jumping off a ladder that's in the corner to try to hit, or maybe successfully hit Psychosis with a, some sort of cutter, and the ladder falls and hits the ref on the top of the head, who then can't really decide if he's going to sell it or not. Like, he sits, stands straight up, and like no sells it, but then he realizes, oh, I got hit with the ladder that's been killing these two wrestlers. So then he kind of like, I don't know, kind of like you know rolls his arm a little bit, like when you like hit a doorway or something. And I really appreciated that. He's not gonna, he's not gonna be, look too devastating. Yeah, he's got work to do because we're getting to the finish very shortly after. With Juice hitting a four fifty, psychosis just convulsing against the ground. I don't know how to describe the reaction otherwise. No, that's exactly what he did. And then Hoovy gets back the title they took away from him and moves on in this tournament. And that's it. That, I don't know what to tell you, Dan. There's yeah, not a lot going on here. That's pretty much what I got. It's just a bare bones cruiserweight match. Now, this might be important in, for future matches I will say outside of that ref spot there was nothing embarrassing yes. which, which will be important later on yes that's that's fair uh, there one note right now Jeremy Borash is on commentary with Jerry Lawler oh God. Jerry Lawler is I don't know I think he's good for certain bits He's largely bad, but he does bring up, hey, they couldn't warm up to in the, with the relationship for Psychosis and Chubatun Guerrera. They couldn't warm up to each other if they were cremated together. <laughs> and I think that's very funny. Oh, it's also worth mentioning, they do the thing where it's it's live commentary. It's like through the PA, which is awful. It's awful for people watching at home. It's awful for people in the arena. Because uh, AIW used to do that. I was going to say, I thought you'd be a huge fan as an AIW guy. No, even in my most Kool-Aid drinking AIW is the best promotion on earth moments, that was stupid and I hated it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, for a major stadium show, that is such a wild decision on their part to do. And then you can see sometimes things happen that the fans aren't reacting to because they're trying to listen to the two men talking over the speakers. Yes. It's... Insane. I don't. I never understood the decision for it. Like it, it doesn't make sense to me, especially when like, I don't know. You you have Jeremy Borash and Jerry Lawler, who you know are going to be super heavy on the bits. There's no way that's going to translate over the PA over the speakers. No, no. You really got to be watching it from a television screen. I think you could convince me that Joey Styles screaming "Oh my God," you know, in the ECW arena over the you know the loudspeakers might work. This does not work. This does not work. I think you're right. I, I think you're right. Yeah, I hate it. I don't know how to break down some of these backstage segments, Dan. Okay. Did you write down everything that happens between these matches? I wrote down there's 
WWA Nitro Girls. Nathan Jones shows up. Lenny and Lodi are there. Absolutely. Something happens between the three of them. And then this is important. That That's not important, but this is important. Disco finds a PA and says he needs two suits, meaning security guards. I did not interpret it that way at first. Well, neither did the PA. We'll find out later. There we go. There we go. Dan, are you ready to get into your next matchup here? It's a big one. Let's do it. It's Conan versus Road Dog in a dog collar match, which is essentially just a hardcore ish match that would feature Road Dog on any given WAF TV show from this period of time. It's not good, Dan. I think it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's pretty awful. Um, it's you. It's, you have to hit the four corners with that gimmick, and uh, this this is four minutes long, and it's really embarrassing. Um, the chain comes off Conan. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's just they do a couple spots like Road Dog gets crotched with the chain. He gets hung with the chain. Um, Conan like hits. Road Dog with a crowbar and then hides it, which is weird because it's a hardcore match. Um, it doesn't Road matter, Dog- Dan. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then Road Dog spends a long time trying to tie up Conan before he can hit all four corners, but then the chain comes off anyway, and then hits all four corners and he wins. Now, real babyface. That description is way better than this is. It, yeah, it is dreadfully dull. And I was not a big fan of that game. You were a big fan. But a lot of it comes from not necessarily the action, but the storytelling that takes place. I feel it's safe to say, we can tell the folks at home right now, the storytelling here (laughs) isn't going to be a massive, oh, so that's why he was, the the, the dog collar fell off. There was a reason all along. No. This is not one of those situations. It was just a mishap on a show that's just going to have multiple mishaps throughout. I think this is just embarrassing all along. And I think we're just doing too much here. We're just doing too much already. Not that Road Dog or Conan a few years earlier than this were known for their in-ring work, but they both were insanely over and for the most part competent. I mean, maybe Conan to varying degrees, but th- this was really embarrassing. Um, it's not the same thing at all, but I, at a local show in uh, Southern Ohio, I saw James Storm versus Chase Stevens in a dog collar match. That was actually like an awesome match, but the whole match, they never put the collar on. They never even tried to. They decided they didn't want to do a co- dog collar match. No promos. They just decided they didn't want to do it. But the ref's holding the collar, asking them to put it on. I think it's fi- actually great. For 15 minutes, he's like, hey, don't do that. But also, like, and he gestures towards their neck. And they, they keep pushing him away, like, saying no. Like, saying that like, they've decided not to do that. But the whole match, until he doesn't drop it, until about two minutes before he counts the three count. I think that's great. And I mean, I mean that was... I want you to know if somehow you could track that match down. I doubt it was taped or if it was, it wasn't released. Uh, much, much better than this. It, can, it has to be. It has to be. Where would this rank on a daily game as far as matches go? Oh. Would it be worse than everything? Would it be? I think so because the short stuff on deadly games, I didn't, it like, it actually mostly served the purpose for the story. And I didn't find embarrassing. I mean, I, this would probably be the worst match on Deadly's game. But do you think so? Yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Which will be the barometer for the remainder of these matches. Which is such a low bar. It's not like a high bar, Dan. You just got to clear either being meaningful or not garbage. That's where we're at. All right, Dan, next match. Well, wait, since you want me to get all the... Uh... Backstage stuff. This is some really good. Uh, this is some really good 2001 content. Later <laughs> in the night, going to be a, uh, I don't a skin the win match. I think they call it. Uh, like you stripped out like a brawling panties match. You skip skip the strip them down the win, and they do close ups of all the competitors, 
and one of them is a man in a dress, the king reacts as you think the king would react. It's, it's he is so much more upset with this than he was nine eleven, and uh, it was as gross as you would think. And then we get, oh, you didn't watch it. This is the best match in the show. No, no, I did watch oh. it. Oh, okay. I okay. This is the match where I was very positive that this was a tournament matchup. Well, they're both listed on the tournament lineup. Yes. Crowbar versus Norman Smiley in a hardcore match. Not to be confused with the hardcore dog collar match. Correct. Let's talk about Norman Smiley versus Devin Storm. It is a uh, non-tournament match. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. We cannot rate the show based on this match. We cannot give it match of the night. It, I'm going to tell you right now, it would get it. And it would help the show. <laughs> Not that this is going to be a four-star match, a five-star match, but Crowbar comes out. He does a thing where he like takes like three bumps to like prep himself. It's the three best bumps of the night so far, <laughs> and it's not close. And uh, they both seem excited and they care. And I mean, it's basically just your normal WCW hardcore match between these guys. Um, there's a big wiggle in it. Um, Storm puts Norman through a table. Storm bleeds. I mean, they fight all over the place. They, they, the finish is uh, Crowbar jumps off, or not Crowbar, Devin Storm uh, jumps off of the scaffolding, but still loses because he's hurt so much that Norman finally pins him. I mean, it's just, it's just basic stuff, but everything looked good for the most part, and nothing was embarrassing, and it was a wrestling match, and that was exciting. Yes, I think that's a fair way to put it. It was a wrestling match, and that's a positive on this show. There is a moment towards the end, which I am still very confused by, even if outside of a wrestling context, it is impressive. Where they are on the stage near the entrance rafters, and Devin Storm tosses a trash can, a steel metal trash can, into the rafters and gets it to land just perfectly just nails it that's the impressive part but then when it gets up there he just chucks the steel the trash can as finally right before jumping through a stack of tables with <laughs> smiley on it i was like well you do this neat thing with the trash can by getting it up there but then what was the point of the others of, of just chucking it once you got up there. I actually thought he was going to do like the Sasuke spot. hundred percent. I'm like, I have no memory of him doing this. This is really cool. He's going to put it on his head and jump off. And you're right. He, it was such a, it was such a good, you know, throw. And then he gets up there. He's like, ah, screw this. All right. All right. All right. It's time to talk. The battle Royal which is okay. I feel I like know. I'm doing a lot this episode. I'm going to interrupt you again. There's two things backstage that are actually important. Okay. The PA introduces the two suits to disco, but instead he gave him two fruits, which is the bananas and pajamas. Also, uh, Oh, Bret Hart tells us that who to Carrera can't continue. So it's road dog versus TBD. In the semifinals. And then he says, this company's the best. We're all fighters. Any employee of WWA are open to the Battle Royal, which is the next match. Stevie Ray's the interviewer. He goes, well, I'm in. And he's in. He's immediately ready to go. Yeah, he's... That, now we're at our first round Battle Royal. Our so first yeah, round Battle Royal. Yes. And that is where... All those lists of names that I will not repeat come in. Well, I guess I'll repeat them. <laughs> I, I don't know why I said that. I'm repeating them. We got Devin Storm. And this is where I got, I got very confused. Not because Devin Storm is in there. But then when Norton Smiley comes in, that's when I have to put my detective hat on. And be like, wait. What's going oh, why are you, they both this that's when you figured it out. Okay. This is it. when I figure it out. Yeah. It I did not notice this that entire match until now. Oh wait. It blends in. 
it is it goes entirely with the stipulations of all the matches so far. It doesn't make any sense for it to not be part of the tournament, in all honesty. And then if Hoovertude really couldn't continue, which I don't think, I think maybe they just wanted to do the, the angle they do later, but if he really couldn't, you could have just said, okay, Norman Smiley versus Road Dog in the semis. Yeah. Would have been, would have been fine. Would have been great. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got Devin Storm, Buff Bagwell, Jerry Lawler, Norman Smiley, Disco Inferno, Jeremy Borash, Stevie Ray, Mark Johnson, Graham Young, some randoms list based on cage match. <laughs> Uh, Banana Pajama 1 and 2 was security guard and the timekeeper. This is I think ass. one of the randoms is, I think there's a cameraman in as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it. Dan, this is bad, right? Like, we both agree this is just not good. Oh, this is very awful. Um, I remember in one of our MAW episodes having a big problem with the Battle Royale. And, like, I'm like, I hate Battle Royals. That Battle Royale with Citizen Kane compared to this. This was so bad. There was no rhyme or reason for anything happening in this matchup. Oh, another one of the mysteries is uh, the woman in a gold dress comes in. A woman okay. in a gold dress comes in and fights with Jerry Lawler and then just leaves. Like, I'm trying to get away from Jerry Lawler. Uh, yeah, I guess. But what did she think was going to happen? Like, she gets in there and she's like, oh, they're trying to wrestle me. I'm out. I don't want to wrestle. Um... Yeah, uh, I will say Devin Storm gets eliminated, takes over on commentary. Also, the best commentator of the night. Good for him. Good for him, Dan. Yeah, but I don't know. It's hard to have thoughts on this. Um, Disco, it comes down to Disco and Buff, who was also who also started the match, which, you know, why not just do a Disco and Buff match? But whatever. And Disco hits the village people elbow. But then the bananas and pajamas come in, dump him out, buff the dumps them out. He wins. So I don't understand the cultural cachet of bananas and pajamas in Australia. I am now under the impression it was an Australian kids show. But I still do not quite grasp why here, even if these are name brand WWE versions of that. Why? Why do this? It doesn't seem like you would have the crossover audience. I know. Now, see, Bananas Pajamas, that came on in America, too. Like, they brought it over here. Yeah. Which is why I had to look it up, because I thought they were called, maybe they were called Fruits and Suits in Australia. Okay. Because I, that's, I see we get there. They keep calling them that, and that's, like, the whole basis of the joke and a basis of another joke in the future. I'm like, oh, that's funny. I thought they were bananas and pajamas. And I looked it up. They are. Everywhere they are. So, Dan, I can't say nice things about this matchup. I'd be surprised if you did. Stevie Ray is a big motherfucker, though. Is that nice? Is that just an observation? Um, I think it's nice. He's... The biggest guy in the show, oh, him or Nathan Jones, but he's the biggest guy. I was going to say, show. I want to see him up against Nathan Jones. Now that's Maybe the, the second biggest guy in the show, and he was a, originally a, a backstage interviewer. Yeah, I was say, do you think it's a negative for the big one of the biggest people on the show to be your backstage interviewer? I do not think it's a positive. So you got your biggest one of your biggest wrestlers, like size wise, backstage commentator. Your biggest wrestling star, commissioner. Not a lot of guys of real strong name value in a wrestling capacity. Very odd. Choices are being made here. I don't think I would make them, Dan. I just don't. Maybe maybe the next match will... uh, Maybe the next match. It'll work for you. Talk to me. Is there is there backstage stuff that I should talk about before? Uh, what's his name? Rove, um, Rove McManus, who is I guess an Australian radio host or something or TV host. I don't know. Is Nathan Jones' manager for the show, and he gives an interview where he says that Jeff Jarrett is going to stroke alone in his hotel room tonight. 
All right, that is good. I'm glad you said that. That, that leads right into this match. Yeah. yeah. It is a guitar on a pool match between Jeff Jarrett and the big guy. That's not his official title. Nathan Jones. I do not know how many matches Nathan Jones has had up to this point. My assumption is not many. He is the former bodyguard of the founder of this promotion, McManus. He looks the part. He's a big dude. Everyone loved his WWE run. Big star. Everyone's like, oh, should have been the next Undertaker. That's what they're all saying, Dan. Jeff Jeff Jarrett, though, is the the little mastermind here. How did he get away with it, Dan? Well, the first round match is a guitar and a pole match. That seems to really favor him. (laughs) So he's pulling some strings. Uh, Case tells me this is Nathan Jones' 10th match. That said, anything on a pole should really be in Nathan Jones' wheelhouse. So I get what you're saying, but also... That's true. He's, he's, got so foot, he's got a foot on the other guy. He's already one foot closer to the top. <laughs> I'm already fully ignoring this match, and I'm on cage match. How do you think Shinya Hashimoto versus Nathan Jones was? Oh, that fucking sounds like it ruled. 13 minutes. Oh, oof. Okay. I'm going to try to check that down. I don't know. If but, I, all right, back to this match. I would give him seven. Yeah, that seems like a lot. This match went, what, four? Yeah. I feel like I say that a lot, but like a lot of these matches go four minutes. <laughs> That's not me, like, just picking a time. Another game understood when it go 30 seconds. I think it's the important distinction between these tournaments. From a match point of view. There's so many other things to point differences-wise, like having wrestling stars involved. Um, But I will say, I know you don't care about the crowd. Nathan Jones is presented like a killer, and the fans freak out for him. I mean, just because oh, yeah. he's from Australia, it works. Like, he is over. The local guy is big. Big time here. So you know what that means. Jeff Jarrett went over. Not only did Jeff Jarrett go over. <laughs> he look, makes Nathan Jones look like an absolute chump. First off, he gets to smack uh, the radio host with the guitar. Because you know that the host wanted to get the guitar shot. He wants that thing to go smash over his head. Big Jared moves. kills him like legitimately. Just maybe the him. biggest, maybe the biggest bump of the night. It rocks. The it guitar awesome. always rocks. Yeah. There's a powder in that bad boy. There we go. But then he just like quickly hits Nathan Jones with a stroke after that. And the stroke always looks not great on guys that much bigger than Jeff. But Nathan kind of just like saunters into it, kind of just like backs up into it. It's like, here I am. <laughs> He wasn't exactly fighting it. No. And he just looks like a a doofus. And Jeff Jarrett walks out the smartest man in the world. Just, wow. I did so little, and I got to smack someone with a guitar, and then separately just beat a giant. It's it's so fr- uh, fruitless in this to uh, fantasy book this show, but like you couldn't put Nathan Jones over someone in 30 seconds? Well, you couldn't have him win the Battle Royal because he's a giant. I mean, that would be a good idea. Him in the semifinals, but like, no, like that was this was like the most juice the show had, I think, at this point. You have no reason not to. Well, you got to have Buff Bagwell make it to the second round because there's important stipulations that need to place. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we'll get there, though. Man, right. Is there anything I'm missing here as we enter the second round? Um, well, all the stuff that leads us to the, this matchup, but yeah, road dog versus TBD, right? TBD. Yeah. So the King comes out <laughs> and he calls out the fruits. So the banana, the pajamas come some more fruit talks, Lenny and Lodi come because of ha ha ha. Um, and then Brett comes out and makes it a, uh, three way dance between road dog and and I think you said Lenny and Lonnie, which he just stopped working with these guys. 
in WCW. Like, they were co-workers. Doesn't know their names. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you have anything to say about the build-up to getting to this three-way? I have zero to say, Dan. Yeah, I don't love reading it. It's not, nothing is exciting between anything. I don't really actually know what I was trying to say there. It's yeah. not, none of it's good. None of it's worth your time. That was more energy than this deserved. Now, the joke on this match is that, you know, the joke of Lenny and Lodi, it's like, are they gay? And Road Dog, you know, he'll play up the sex jokes, the homophobia, the homophobia, the the gay panic. But oh, we did, did we did we really break down the transphobia on the show as well? I think I talked about. OK, King, yeah, Perfect. but um, I don't ever want that in my wrestling. But if for some reason someone's like, hey, we're going to book a match based around gay panic based around road dog hating that these two guys are gay i'd be like hey how about the rest of the show we don't have lots of wiggles and humping and other transphobia like why don't we have the whole show not covered in it but they do like the whole show is covered in transphobia and homophobia and it like even for the even for this era of wrestling is so i get uh, disgusting I, I don't i don't know a better word yeah i got nothing for you dan it's not good and then this match is, again, I, I believe four minutes of, like, sex jokes. And then I think Road, Road Dog pens them when they're in a 69 position. Uh, was that what that was? I was like, Lenny does, like, a moonsault and lands, like, with his face in Lodi's crotch, I believe. See, I didn't read it that way. I didn't read it like that. Oh, I mean... Well, now you're making me look like a pervert, but I'm yeah, right. it's it's fine. It's fine. You read how you need to read it. I disagree. <laughs> it's it's still a very bad finish. Don't have to be good. I feel also it's important to know the finish is bullshit. Uh, another way too. This is labeled as a three way dance. The important thing about three way dance is you do have to pin. Both individuals slash both only one person can be left standing. Two people have to be eliminated. Dan, this is not what happens here. No one understands what a three-way dance means, even at this level. And it makes it grinds my gears. It grinds my gears. <laughs> Cause Lenny hits a moon salt on a standing loady. And like you said, they're in that position. But that does mean. That Lenny is got his shoulders up in the air. He's facing down. So when Road Dog gets his boogie knees on, drops it, pins him, Lenny's shoulders not on the mat. It's unfair. It's unjust. Bret Hart is a fucking farce as commissioner. Say you. All, all I know is I'm reaching out to Road Dog because I know he meant for that to be sexual. Okay, perfect. perfect. I, I know my man, BG James. You know your man, Road Dog G. James, wanted yeah. you to know he hates the gays. I get yeah. it. He wanted he wanted to get as much of that in in the four minutes as he could. Uh, all right. Then let me let's. Is there something that happens between these two matches? Because I think oh there Stevie, is because we got to talk about how we get to this match, right? Yeah, Stevie Ray interviewed interviews buff bagwell i don't really remember how we get to the stipulation but i know that stevie ray says i don't want to look like a fruity a fruit booty so there you go the what is the stipulation what is the exact title okay i think i may have miswrote it down so you'll have to correct me when i, I okay you I, say and i'll say if it was what i think it is too um it's tits whips and buff that no, I think I think that's right. Okay, it was the last one that threw me off because well, it, it doesn't, doesn't rhyme. it doesn't rhyme. Yeah, that's why I didn't read it just now because I thought maybe I have that wrong because like, what is that a play on? And it doesn't rhyme. It's not a play in anything, Dan. It's just bad. You had the opportunity to work backwards from Buff if that's what you really wanted to do, or Bagwell. You can't lean into tits and whips if you're gonna end it like that. I mean, I don't want to give him any ideas, but there are words that rhyme with, with buff. There's words that rhyme with bag. I mean, there's terrible words they could use. You could use so many things, Dan. 
But the concept is Buff has brought the Nitro girls down to the ring and they've got leather straps. And it's the BDSM types of type of leather straps. I don't know if it's an important distinction, but I would consider it a distinction. And this is a weird match, Dan. I have no other way to say, hey, I don't fucking get it. It's not good, but also I'm constantly trying to figure out what the hell is going on here. <laughs> I felt lost. Well, if I if we felt that I felt it was unfair for Jeff Jarrett to have the guitar and full match, and you rightly pointed out that's unfair for Nathan Jones because he's a foot taller, this match is unfair because apparently the Nitro Girls love buff the stuff. So they don't whip him. They give him like massages. I so lost only it. the heel gets whipped. It's so rude. Yeah. I was like, okay, what's going on here? Why are we doing this? Who let this stipulation happen? You can't have it. Bret Hart, once again, failure as a leader. Just lacks any credibility. Don't let him near wrestling ring again for the rest of his days. He doesn't deserve it for letting this match happen. Was it me or this crowd extremely dead for this match? Um, you're, No, you're right. Um, King wasn't. King loved it. King loved it. Of course he would, Dan. It's got everything. So even if the crowd was alive, I wouldn't be able to hear them because they have the King's commentary going throughout the whole stadium. Um... I mean, Bagwell hits his finish. The referee is, you know, distracted by the girls. So another girl counts the fall. Buff Bagwell thinks he wins, which why would that count? Uh, why would that ever count? And then Jeff Jarrett again just walks up, casually gives someone the stroke and wins. Oh, man. Oh, man. <sighs> Jeff Jarrett just keeps winning. You can't stop the man. We got two non-tournament matches coming up. I have not. I did not watch either one of them. Oh, God. I'm going to mention them because they're so terrible that I feel like I need to bring them up. The first is Gangrel, the Vampire Warrior, versus Luna Vachon. Um, you know, way before the intergender, you know, craze hit the Indies. It's supposed to be there for their wedding anniversary, I believe, but Gangrel kept complaining they lost matches. He loses too many matches, so Luna said, we're going to wrestle. And for the full five minutes or so, just like, oh, I guess it was only two minutes. That's funny. Uh, he just She just beats him with everything. Every weapon you can think of, uh, gets him in the nuts with some tongs, hits him in the, you know, the nuts with a pumpkin, a lot of nut stuff. And it all, you know, Gangrel just refuses to hit his wife, you know, like a true babyface hero. But then she takes off her ring and throws it at him and spits on him. And then he, I guess that's a step too far. So he hits her with the Impaler DDT for one, two, three. And that is the entire thing. That's marriage. Damn, that's this what, is marriage. Well, like, I don't know what they wanted to get across with that. And it was already a three plus hour show, but I've got to get that in. Then there is the skin four-way skin the win match with queen b versus violet tarosi versus adora james versus sharon awad i'll let you guess which one of those is a man in the dress uh the first two i think are just models and danny the minions the, the guy in the dress and cm punk's trainer i believe danny the minion <laughs> and he dominates the women beats him up Stevie Ray has enough, comes down, hits Dominion. Adara James gets a Hurricane Rana for the win. It was awful. And the commentary was abhorrent, and you should never watch it. Perfect. I'm glad you I'm glad you did that for us. No problem. You committed a service for us, the the listening public. Thank you. Thank you. But now let's talk about the finals. <laughs> the seven seven deadly sins tournament. There's a cage match. That's a good looking cage. 
We got Road Dog. We got Jeff Jarrett. I don't know what to say. Because Oh, real fast. Okay. There's a match that's not a cage match. I forgot that we forgot to mention. Another cage match. Disco versus the bananas. Jesus. It's like a minute long and the bananas beat him up, but then Disco knocks one off the top of the cage and take a bump from the top of the cage, which we don't get in the main event. A bump from the top of the cage to the outside on a pad in a 90-second match. It's I forgot about that until I pulled my notes up to try to get to the main event, and I was like, Disco versus Bananas, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that happened. Well, I kept, and then like, I don't know, again, why Fantasy booked this, but like, they're gonna do a match. Oh, is someone important under the banana costume? No, it's just bananas. Disco beats up bananas, and then we go to our world title match. And what what a match it is, Dan? Oh, it's something. I don't think it's horrendous in comparison to some of the stuff we've seen this evening. It's a much better road dog match than it earlier. It feels like both guys are trying, and I think that's thumbs up for that. Does that go anywhere with you, Dan? I mean, on this show, I think effort's a lot. Um, I don't... It's just pedestrian until the finish. Like, it feels like these two guys... I mean, I know they're they're trying, but it also feels like they could do this every night of the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I mean, Jarrett and Road Dog have been in the ring together a lot. So it feels like this was pretty easy, you know, run of the mill match for them. I mean, the only thing, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I don't have any thoughts on the match really, except the finish. I don't have anything for the bulk of the match, except I want to talk about the finish. I, I, I don't want to get right into the finish. We'll get there. Okay. All right. You tell me what your thoughts are. I love Jeff Jarrett bleeding a good amount. I think that's fantastic. We didn't get really any blood throughout this tournament. Thumbs up. It's the attitude era, baby. Let's go. Yeah, also, he does bleed a lot. It's so stupid when they leave the cage. And I really appreciate that because it just takes a whole. That, oh, this is just a farce. Like, I know technically it's not. This is not an escape match. And you know what? It shouldn't be. Cage matches should not be escape matches. But the whole point is still, hey, it keeps them in the ring. So when you decide to leave, it does paint the picture, okay, why are we doing this, actually? And I think that's beautiful here. But Dan, let's t- talk, talk to me about the finish. All right. So they're back in the cage. Jared gets a guitar, kills the road dog with it, puts on the sharpshooter. The ref's, well, the ref's down at this point. Road dog taps. Bret Hart, our babyface commissioner, gets up. And I guess is like, no, Jarrett's not winning that way, which doesn't totally make sense to me because it's like, it's an anything goes cage match. That seems like a fine way to win. <laughs> but then you find out that the reason it seems that Bret Hart doesn't want him to win is because it's with a sharpshooter. Because soon after that, Road Dog hits his pump handle slam, gets a sharpshooter on. Bret Hart's like, no, you can't win either. And walks off with the title, like just starts walking away with the belt. So Road Dog's like, hey, come back. I want to win that title. And then brings it into the ring where Jeff Jarrett uses it to hit the stroke under the belt and win. Did I cover that all pretty well? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, they're not trying to paint Bret Hart as like, this is not painted as a heel turn. It's not painted as anything. It's just very confusing. Oh, baby. It's everyone's a shade of gray. It's the attitude era, baby. It is just guys being guys, dudes being dudes. That's how I view it. Oh, and then after the match, Brett gets in the ring, makes the brand new champion literally drop to his knees in fear of Bret Hart. And then Bret Hart puts on a sharpshooter. That's that. This is the real sharpshooter. I guess this one counts. This is the, this is the shoot sharpshooter. Yeah. So it's like Bret Hart hates nine 11 and WCW never lost a match. And just made the new champion tap out. 
I just find it so funny how upset he is about the sharpshooters. It almost is like he really didn't know they were going to do sharpshooters, and he's like actually mad about it. He was very upset. <laughs> a road dog doing it was just uh, just deeply funny to watch happen in real time. As you're like, is he going to get upset at? the theoretical babyface in this matchup doing his move after just giving Jeff Jarrett shit. Also, why is Road Dog going for the sharpshooter? It does not make sense. Why? <laughs> I, I don't understand. I know I understands. Yeah. It's one of those things where like, okay, if Bret Hart is being unreasonable, you still just saw him do that. Either go for a pen or put any other submission move on. All right, Dan, that's the tournament, though. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett's our, our guy. Are you ready to get into some superlatives? This was very difficult. Let's get into it. I'm going to make you do everything first here. Oh, God. What do you I want mean, to start with? Get, let's do match of the tournament. I think this is wrong. But I put Jeff Jarrett versus Nathan Jones. I think it's wrong. Do you th- what, what, do you have psychosis versus Ubuntu Guerrero? I Guerrero? do you have, have psychosis versus Ubuntu Guerrero. I just, I just that was I didn't want to watch. I would never want to watch it again. Where I could see myself putting on Nathan Jones versus Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> okay, for fun. that's a fair barometer for this because they're all awful. I mean, I mean, they're all at best fine. So it's like none of these were the best match. Like best almost implies that like. Some level of quality, but no. No one should watch any of these. Um, but now that you know that I'm higher on Jeff Jarrett versus Nathan Jones than you, I'll tell you Jeff Jarrett was my worker of the night. Okay. No, that's real. I think he is worker of the night. I think he does. He puts in some effort throughout this tournament. And really, he's just savvy. Like, I don't know how he did it. But he makes the local guy, the local hero essentially who is the, the home homegrown homegrown kid i don't know nathan jones is probably what th- 35 60 in this match <laughs> yeah anywhere so, in between there i mean i kid but he makes him look like an absolute chump like he had no business being in the ring with him very funny great bit i guess the worker in the truest sense of the word exactly, exactly. embarrasses nathan jones walks out with the title yes it does the Buff Bagwell match still wins. Oh man! So yeah, pretty much every facet of the game is okay. He'll beat he beats wrestlers in their matches. He wins his matches against homegrown stars, or theoretically should be if this promotion has any sort of chance of happening. But that is that is the way, right? Like take the bigger name, even if it's not that much bigger, and make and they're gonna win at all costs against whoever the in theory you would think don't put the folks that could actually be big names for us down the line against them knowing that they're gonna lose pretty handedly but not in WWE just feed them that'll make the journey that much better now I believe Nathan Jones does end up their champion at some point perfect I'm sure that went over great I'm sure they weren't at all feeling like this guy's a loser. Big old chump dirtbag. Who knows? Maybe maybe Jeremy Boresh really crushed this one. I'm, I'm thinking no, Dan. I'm thinking probably not. Uh, he held it for five days <laughs> in the future. Oh, my God. Are you fucking with me? No, it's Jarrett. Then, well, Road Dogg is champion. They vacate it. Jarrett wins it. He holds it for 162 days. Nathan Jones beats him. Five days later, Scott Steiner wins. Oh, my they vacate God. That. They vacate Scott Steiner's win over their hometown hero so they can put the belt on Luger in 2002. Can Luger walk in 2002? I don't know, but in Glasgow, Scotland. Luger in won. Scotland? Yeah. he. Oh, he he beat Sting for it. Like, in a, you know, because they had a vacant match. And then he went. Oh, no, he had a bunch of tag matches and then lost it in a three-way, this thing. And then the what? company closes with you-know-who as champion, Jeff Jarrett. 
God bless. What's old is new again. That's what he does. I, Dan, I'm, what is going on? Why did any of this happen? How many Imagine titles- having that much money and being like, I want to put on pro wrestling. Get me Vince Russo. Me Vince Russo. <laughs> and then Vince Russo turns you down, and that still doesn't you know, get you off the course. You're like, fine. Is there a younger, dumber Vince Russo? <laughs> that might be rude to Jeremy Borash. I don't know. But just, You just know, Dan, say what you will about them and their politics. But Saudis understand wrestling better. Very clearly. It's just, those are the facts. We're not saying we like the facts. We're saying we're, not, we're not saying we like the facts, but it's, it's on paper as clear as day. I will I, say my favorite part of this show is that you yell at me for shows a lot. So I was really happy that you made me watch this. Hey, I really picked a fucking dumpster fire of a show. Like it kind of, it kind of felt like a, you know, all right. Uh, you, you, we can all do this. We can all, we do, can this. all do this. Like I'm not the only one in the show that can pick shit to watch. Oh man. We have the entirety of the history of pro wrestling at our fingertips. There's never been more pro wrestling to watch. It's never been easier to get. And we're like WWA inception. I'm an organizer. Which by the way is up on, I downloaded the torrent. Didn't need to. It's up on YouTube like three different times for some reason. Incredible. I, I have so many WWE shows now at my disposal. Because of this. So oh, you downloaded the full. I specifically selected just this show. I'm like, I don't, I don't need the rest of them on my computer. No, I was going to start a WWE retrospective podcast with you, Dan. <laughs> I thought that would be off. great. Oh Talking WWE. <laughs> you had a tweet. This is we're really off the rails. I'm sleepy. You had a tweet where you said you wanted the podcast upgrade, and I was like, he's upgrading host. He could have blocked me from this. <laughs> You wanted equipment, which makes more sense. Hey, right, I, want let me bo- rate- I want a boom arm or something. Let me rate this show because I had a hard time with this too. I went 0.25. Oh, no, that's good. That's good. I gave it one. But <sighs> now in retrospect, I think I need to go lower. I will go 0.5. That feels. I will never okay. go back to this. Well, can you imagine us watching a worse show? I don't think I can. I don't That's why think I, I, I had 0.5, but then I realized we do it by quarters. So I'm like, it kind of has to get the lowest vote or score because I pray that we never find something lower than this. Yeah, that's optimistic. That's optimistic. I, there's just, from every metric, it kind of fails, right? There's no good wrestling on this show. The best match is not bad. That's what it <laughs> contributes, just not being bad actively bad none of it makes any sense and in the end you're like okay everyone looks like a fucking loser why did we do this it's just a waste of time is you am i wrong 100 percent right there's there's just zero redeeming qualities I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I gave last week's episode a, a pretty high grade. Like I, like I said, if, if storytelling is done right, I think it can still work even without great match, but this is bad storytelling and no great matches and just abhorrent shit up and down the show. And it's also not like the crowd doesn't seem to be having a good time either. It's just like, no one's having a good time. The wrestlers aren't having a good time. Bret Hart is stuck in Australia. And I'm stuck watching the show. You're stuck watching the show. And that kind of does it though, right? Like that's, yeah. that is it. We're done. Do you have any plugs? Uh, follow me on Twitter, Dan underscore rice 88. Uh, someone hacked my Twitter. Like they logged on from somewhere in Springfield, Massachusetts. And all they did was they changed my profile pic to whatever it is right now. So I changed my password, but I left the profile pic because I think it's very funny. I was going to ask, hey, where did that pro- new profile pic come I, from? I was like talking to my nieces and nephews and I was like, hey, who did this? This is weird. It would have been funnier to tweet something stupid. And they were all like, what are you talking about? Then I went over and I looked and it's like login from Massachusetts. And I was like, no. 
Fair enough. So Fair I changed enough. I changed a bunch of my passwords. So here we are. It is a like a potato version of Goku farting. Farting. Yep. Which I don't know if you, you don't know my nieces and nephews, but that's pretty on like spot on. So I was like, okay. <laughs> that's very on brand. Is what you're telling me? Yeah. They, they, that's their kind of humor. So that's great. But it they is know, good. and they they all looked very confused when I showed them the picture. Oh man, Dan, you can follow the podcast network. We don't know wrestling podcast network at WDKWPN on Twitter. Keep up to date. Maybe just maybe we'll start using that more in the coming months. Could be fun if anyone's on Twitter in a couple of months. Oh, are you going to announce what we're doing next time? Yeah, let's talk about it. We are going to be yeah. doing CZW's Tournament of Death. Or, and we may or may not have a guest on it, so yeah. it'll be a fun time for everyone. I'm involved. excited because that was episode one was Tournament Death Three, and I'm like, this is kind of keeping with the tradition. I like it. Yeah, this will be episode 17. Dan, we're 17 episodes into this. We're gonna we be. It. Yeah. Who wouldn't thought? <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for listening, and join us next time.